Chapter 25 The doctors inform Pearl that they have managed to figure out what Munatlehi took to end his life. The doctors explain to Pearl that Munatlehi took a cocktail of toxic powders, namely rat poison, cocaine and panado, to end his life. They're not sure if he was found in time. They are unsure if they were simply postponing his inevitable demise. This news was delivered to her in a way that felt cold to her. She even contemplated having Mulatlehi taken to another hospital, as she felt that the doctors had given up on him. A doctor friend of hers reminded her that Mulatlehi is a prisoner and thus has to be cared for by hospitals that are chosen by the prison. Her Pearl spent every free moment that she had by his side. With him being in a coma, she feared that he would die alone, without someone being there by his side. Time kept moving while she sat by his side. As the days became weeks, there was little to no change. Pearl didn't know if this was a good or a bad thing. Her prayers were feeling labored and repetitive but she fought through the doubts and clung to the hope of change. It was now week three since Mulatlehi attempted to end his life. Pearl arrives at the hospital to go see him. Her presence makes her look like the furniture. She has learned to bring work with her as she camps by his bedside. Pearl goes through the WhatsApp stories and sees a post by Tsekhofatz. Something inside of Pearl makes her feel like she should reach out to Tsekhofatz and tell her about her father. So Pearl tries to call Tsekhofatz. The phone rings. Pearl tries again and the result is the same. So she decides to leave Tsekhofatz a message. Pearl receives a reply an hour later. What Tsekhofatz says, please delete my number. Pearl isn't surprised by the message. She then remembers the favor that Munatleri had asked her to do for him. She started googling people who could compile a book for her. She found a company that could help her. She made contact with them and they informed her about the things they would need from her to put everything together. It takes Pearl a couple of days to get the book compiled and printed. She decides to call the book Beloved and took a picture of the artwork Tsekhofatsu made for Munatleri and used it as the cover. Pearl asked Liko the activist to get the book into Tsekhofatsu's hands. She explains to Liko the activist that Tsekhofatsu may never open the package if she sees that it came from her or her father. Liko the activist promises to work her magic and guarantees that it will end up in the hands of Tsekhofatsu. Liko the activist does some digging and finds Sharon's home address. Liko the activist gets the book to be sent to Sharon, gambling on the fact that Sharon would know that the book was not meant for her. Liko was right. When Sharon received the book, she opened it, read some parts, and realized that this book was never for her. Sharon takes the book with her to school so that she can give it to Tsukhofatsu during break when they would be alone. Friend, something strange happened to me yesterday, says Sharon. Okay, spit it out. What went down? asked Tsekhofatsu. I got home and there was a package for me. I felt so special. I mean, no one sends me anything. And it looked big, comments Sharon. Okay, and what was inside? asked Tsekhofatsu. A book, replies Sharon. 
Uh, that sounds boring. I'm sure you were disappointed, explains Serofat. A bit. Then I opened it. And I saw letters. And the letters were not addressed to me. Sharon reaches into her bag and takes out the book and hands it over to Serofat. I think this belongs to you. I promise I didn't read everything. I stopped when I realized that this is for you, explains Sharon. Tsukhofatsu skims through the book. She sees her mother's name. She sees her father's name. She sees her name. Letters that wish to a happy birthday from her father. Letters from her mom to her dad. There was a lot in the book. She scans the front cover and sees the picture of the artwork she made her father. She becomes emotional. Sharon notices and hugs her friend. Why would he send me this? Why can't he leave me alone? Asks the sobbing Tsukhofatsu. I thought it was sweet. I know I said I didn't read a lot, but friend, I think you need to read this letter your mom wrote to your dad, suggests Sharon. Tsukhofatsu reads the letter. It was her mom asking her dad to forgive her parents like she has. She explains that her parents trapping her to force an abortion hurt her, but she can't hate her parents for it. Tsukhofatsu shakes and has a panic attack. Sharon tries her best to calm her down, but it doesn't work. She shouts for help and eventually, a teacher comes and takes Tsukhofatsu to the sick room. Once the panic attack passed, Tsukhofatsu feels upset at being lied to by her grandparents. She remembers that Pearl had tried to call her. She sends her a police call, but there's no call coming from Pearl. Tsukhofatsu ends up falling asleep in the school's sick room. Tsukhofatsu is awakened by her phone ringing. She answers the phone. Hello? Tsukhofatsu, I received your police call. Sorry for taking long, just a lot is happening. I want to see my father. I received the book. Well, my friend did, and I think my father sent it. I saw the truth. I feel bad. I want to apologize to him. I need to see him. I'm not okay, says Etsukhofatsu, speaking. Okay, slow down, Etsukhofatsu. Your father is in hospital. He tried to kill himself. Nana, he might not make it. It's almost a month now. I wish I didn't have to say these things to you over the phone. Pearl can hear that Tsukhofatsu isn't okay on the other side of the phone. She hears her whimpers. Pearl, help me fix this. I have to fix this. Um, we can't bring him out of the coma, Nana. Only God can. If he survives, what happens to him? Asks Tsukhofatsu. Um, he goes back to prison. But won't that make him want to kill himself again? I'm afraid so. Then there's no point in him surviving. We have to change that pearl. Otherwise I can't live with myself, knowing I could have done something, but I didn't. Pearl responds, Look, my hands are tied unless your grandparents lead the charge to get him paroled out. Fine, I'll speak to them. When can I see my father? Pearl wonders and then responds, I don't think that's a good idea. It's traumatizing to see him lying on that bed, motionless. It doesn't matter. For years, he didn't exist in my mind. 
I'd rather be traumatized than to live with regrets. Okay, okay, I'll pick you from school tomorrow. Thank you, Pearl. Thank you on behalf of myself and my father. My pleasure, beloved daughter of Mulatlechi Mulefe. The call ends and Sarofatsu found a second wind of energy. She returned to class and waits for the bell to ring to end the day. As she waits, she prepares the words she will say to her grandparents when she gets home. She decides to be direct with them. No more secrets, she tells herself. She plans to get them to sit down and she will hand the book over to her grandparents with a bookmark on the letter from her mother to her father. She no longer cares about how they will react to her. The bell rings and Tsukhofatsu can hear the Mission Impossible song playing in her mind. It was the beginning of her mission. Tsukhofatsu gets off the taxi and runs to her house. She gets in and finds her grandparents watching TV together. They greet her and she stands in front of the TV. She tells them that it's time to talk. In a moment akin to that in the movie, she takes the TV remote and switches the TV off. Her grandfather shouts at her for doing that, but she ignores him. She takes out the book and opens it to the letter that her mother sent her father. She gives it to her grandfather and tells her grandmother to read with him. King, eh? Asked the The truth, Ntate Mughul. I'm sure you can recognize Mama's handwriting. Tsakhofasi can see her grandmother tearing up as she reads the letter. Who gave you this? Asked Ntate Piri. Does it matter? You guys lied to me. Don't you dare speak to me like that. I am not your friend. Do I look your age? Asked an angry Ntate Piri. Why did you lie to me? And do you know what your lies have caused? I'm not going to sit here and listen to a child tell me lies from a made-up book. Your lie made my father try to kill himself because I told him I never wanted to see him again. Why is my father such a threat to you? Do you want to have the blood of a man on your hands? All for what? For an inconvenient truth? That it was you who wanted to get rid of me, not my father? You disrespectful little brat, shouts Ndatepiri. We raised you and you thank us like this. You can go die with him for all I care. No one will disrespect me in my own house. Ndatepiri stands up and leaves the room, leaving Okunupiri in tears as she reads and rereads the letter her daughter wrote.